Ukraine, cryptos, Putin, what is going on right now? <laughs> so many things are going on in the world right now. It, it, it is insane. But we're going to go ahead and discuss and talk about all the things that's been going on in in Europe right now with Ukraine and Russia. It is insane. Stay tuned for episode three of Power to the People Radio. DJ, cue the intro. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to episode three of Power to the People Radio. Uh, it is insane. It is insane what is going on right now in the world. We are in, I don't even want to say trying times, but we are in very, very muddy waters. We are definitely, definitely in muddy waters, guys. Um, it's insane. It's insane. Uh, as you guys can kind of see, by the uh by the title of the episode, we'll be talking about Ukraine, Russia, the invasion going on right now, and how does this relate to cryptocurrencies, investments, and things that's going on. If you've noticed, since Ukraine invaded Russia, the stock market has taken a drop, and the crypto market might not be too too far behind, guys. Um, it's insane. Um, if you are not up to date with what's going on right now, uh. Please remove yourself from the rock that you might be sleeping underneath, <laughs> that you might be living underneath. But you, you gotta get hip. You you gotta get hip to what's going on. I hope you're you've been keeping keeping up to date with the news or whatever the case may be. But if if you haven't, let me just give you a quick rundown. Uh, pretty much, Putin has has said, you know what, has given the middle finger to everybody, and he said that hey, he. You know, he wants what he wants and he's going to take it whenever he wants it. <laughs> Literally, that that's that's pretty much what he said. Um, if you have not been, you know, keeping track of what's going on in Russia, well, I more should say President Putin, um, he has decided to declare war on Ukraine and he has decided to invade the, uh, the, the sovereign country of Ukraine. Right, he already took Crimea, Crimea which is kind of like on the border of Ukraine, but now he's pretty much has an all full-fledged invasion of Ukraine. Um, and this is actually kind of, this is, it's a little bit worrisome because it's, it's like, it's like he knew that, that he was going to do this and he was just waiting for his best opportunity. Honestly, man, it's crazy. So to kind of give you a quick rundown of how we even got here, Ukraine is a is a country that at one point was a part of the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was Russia way back in the day. You see what I'm saying? It was back back in like 19 1980s, 1970s, uh 19 uh, uh 1960s after the World War II, right? When we beat, you know, Nazi Germany, right? The the two global superpowers that came out of the World War II was the Soviet Union, Russia, which at one point which at one part was on Nazi Germany's side um, until they, you know, turned on them. But the, the power that came out on top was Russia and the United States. Now, since World War II, Russia economy did, did kind of, you know, was hurt a little bit. The United States, not so much, right? Because we're on pretty much on the other side of the world. Um, but their economy was kind of was kind of damaged a little bit. So to kind of, you know, bring the economy back together... What Russia decided to do is instead of doing instead of 
agreeing to the deal that the European, you know, European countries agreed on was to, you know, release Austria, Hungary was to release all the other countries that that were pretty much was dominated during World War II to release them and let them be back independent. The Soviet Union didn't didn't do though didn't do that right. They still took pretty much control over a lot of these countries, and in the following decades, a lot of those countries like Ukraine, uh, Austria, Hungary, and a bunch of others, you know, uh, European states, right, and countries, they declared their independence from the Soviet Union, pretty much breaking apart the Soviet Union in 1991. Fast forward 20 years later, 20 30 years later, now we have President Putin, who's in office. He replaced uh, Stalin. He was the president of the Soviet Union uh, during World War II, but Putin now came into office um, and he's pretty much, you know, has has been taking control of Russia and he actually just changed their constitution where now he's going to be in control for another 20 years, <laughs> which is borderline dictatorship, right? But we're not going to say that, but it's borderline dictatorship. They don't live in a dictator's uh, country, but they believe government authoritative rule is 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 important. It's powerful, right? The government should be more powerful than the people. What the government says what the military says, what the president says, that's that's what flies. That's what's going on. See what I'm saying? So just to kind of give you guys a, ba- a, a, back, a backdrop of how Russia came to be where it is today, Ukraine, at one part, the capital of Ukraine was the capital of Russia. Moscow, which is the capital now, was once in Ukraine. So when Ukraine got their independence, Soviet Union broke apart, all that, all that good stuff. Putin, years later, now he's saying that Ukraine is rightfully the property of Russia. Because at one point, it was a part of the Soviet Union. And a lot of Ukrainians speak Russian, a lot of Russians speak Ukraine, and the language is very similar. It's almost identical, kind of, in a sense, right? But very, very similar. So, it's 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 a conflict of interest because, in, in a way, I I guess you can say... That they were once a part of you guys, but they claimed their independence, you know, and this was then they claimed their independence way before you came in office. So why are you trying to take back that turf, bro? That's not yours. You see what I'm saying? That's kind of like saying Great Britain should come back and try and invade America even after we just got our independence from them. You see what I'm saying? Like, no, that's like saying France should come and try and invade Haiti again because they got their independence way back when. No, if somebody gets their independence, bro, if they not rocking with you, they not rocking with you. You know, accept your loss, take your L, take the rejection, you know, and focus on your country. Now, as we talk about focusing on the country, it's crazy. This episode was going to be on credit, but I think it would have been better if we talked about what's kind of going on in the world right now. This week, uh, President Biden just gave his first State of the Union address, right? A State of the Union every year, the president kind of talks about what's going on in the world, in the country, how things are doing, and what's his plans and his proposal for this upcoming year, policies and things of that nature. And I'll, and I'll be honest, right? Biden did a pretty good job for his first State of the Union address. He did a pretty good job. Got a lot of applause. A lot of people agreed with him. Seemed very confident. Seemed like he was still trying to learn how to control the crowd a little bit. This might not, this might not be his, his first state of the union. This might be his second, but I, I do believe that this is his first. But it might be his second. I believe this is his first, though, but don't quote me on that. But, um, but he did pretty good. 
he did he did pretty good. Uh, Byron <laughs> did really good during his State of the Union uh, address, and honestly, he he did better than I thought because he pretty much just gave Russia the middle finger for five to potentially 20, 30 years to come. And pretty much what I mean by this, right, is that he has placed sanctions on Russia, Russian assets, right? He has cut off all Russian flights coming in and out of America, right? And, yo, he has, he has pretty much, like, took in 20 years of economic growth from Russia away in about a week, right? A lot of people are saying, oh, sanctions have never done anything before in the past. But I'm telling you, the sanctions that they are placing on Russia now has been has been um, cupcake compared to what they're doing. Well, the sanctions they have placed on Russia in the past are cupcake compared to the sanctions that they're putting on them now. Right. They're freezing people's assets, bro. Like, imagine you have your money in your bank and you can't use it. Millions and millions and millions of people are are waiting in line at ATMs in Russia, ATMs and banks in Russia right now to take out cash because there's a chance that they might not be able to, and and that their their dollar is devaluating like crazy, right? The euro has dropped significantly since the start of uh, the invasion of Ukraine. Reason why is because the ruba. The Russian currency that they use there, right? We use the United States dollar in America. They use the ruba, the Russian ruba. It's backed by the euro, which is the dominated currency for Europe, right? <laughs> it's so crazy how how Great Britain literally just said, "No, nope, we want to keep using pounds," <laughs> and Great Britain is like, you know, uh, the United Kingdom uses pounds, and all of other Europe predominantly use euros, right? And, the, and I, rightfully so, the, the pound is the strongest currency. So rightfully so, I definitely understand why they probably did that. But either way, right? So the euro has taken a massive drop. So if you're trading euro JPY, you're making a lot of money right now. <laughs> you're making a lot of money right now because the ruba is practically worth a penny. A lot of assets are being frozen, are being seized. A lot of businesses are being cut off. From from Russia, a lot of Russian goods aren't even being imported anymore. See what I'm saying? And it's crazy. In Texas, they're literally dumping all of their Russian vodka. And and if you if you would know, Russian vodka is like a is like a uh, is like a badge of honor for the Russian people. Right? You know how like Jamaicans have their famous uh, curry chicken or curry goat. Everybody knows Jamaican for curry food, curry chicken, curry goat. People know Russians for vodka. Right? So. Think about the if you're if my Jamaicans on here, you would understand the the gravity of that, right? Let's put it in other context so other people have said like if you're Haitian, our soup jumun or our fritai, that's Russia's vodka. Does that make sense? If you're American, you know how Americans, you know, we popularize fast food, we popularize uh uh well even though hamburgers and, and french fries aren't even American, but we kind of popularized it. To be honest, what is American? Pizza is an American. What's what's it like an American dish that you know when you come to America, America's known for it? I, the only thing I could think of is hot dogs and fries, but that's not American. But, you know, 
I can't think of it. Chicken, chicken fingers, chicken wings, maybe chicken wings. That's how I think. Either way, though, right? Or, or better yet, how about this, right? You know how like Japanese people are known for sushi, right? Exactly. Russia, they're known for their vodka. So the fact that Texas liquor stores are dumping out Russian vodka by the bottle—that's that's a that's a pretty big statement. It's a pretty big statement that we're not that we're not rocking with Russia right now. As they're doing this invasion. And it's not even Russian people. It's Putin. A lot of Russian citizens are questioning now. Why are they even in this war? You know. Why why are they sitting through this? You know. When in reality they were perfectly fine. Being in Russia and Ukraine being in Ukraine. Right. There's actually a lot of people who are Russian. Who have loved ones in Ukraine. Who aren't even happy with what's going on. And vice versa. A lot of people in Ukraine have people in Russia that are like, yo, bro, leave us alone. Right? Which is honestly, honestly insane. Right? So now, the what's really, really big and impactful about this is that with, you know, Biden and other European countries and unions and stuff like that, deciding on, deciding on season, seizing and freezing Russian assets, this brings us into a very, very uh, troubling topic. Troubling topic as because when they're freezing and seizing these assets, they are targeting specifically uh, Putin himself, but also these people called Russian oligarchs. The Russian oligarchs are are think about in our in the sense our. Our uh, Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, right? These are the head of industries when it comes to Russia. These are people that controls the oil, that controls water, water, uh, uh, um, water allocation throughout the the country, things of that nature, energies and fuels, um, sewer systems, right? There's a few of them. I don't know exactly how many. I think there might be eight. But there's a few of them, but these are the head of honchos. These are people that control the the important things that make Russian country and economy operate. Now, I want you to understand exactly who these people are. These aren't people that, these aren't the Henry Fords. These aren't the Napoleon Hills. These aren't the, uh, you know, the Andrew Carnegie's. These aren't people that that started from nothing, that worked their way up to maintain, hold these industries, Right? Literally, those aren't them. So they're, they're, they're not even the most informed in the industry. They're just the people that run it, control it. And the reason why they're in control is because back during the, the USSR, the Soviet Union, Stalin, the previous president, they, he were friends with, the Russian, with these Russian oligarchs. And when, he, when the, you know, the Soviet Union pretty much broke apart, he pretty much gave them, his friends, billions of dollars. Literally, it's so insane. He literally just gave away the control of the country and different uh, 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 factions, right, or factors of the country to his friends that have no real, you know, background in those particular industries. Now, years later, they probably are more familiar with the industry and stuff like that. They probably, you know, hired, you know, people to help them out and things of that nature. But the people themselves aren't people that work their way up. Does that if that so you have to understand that, right? It's very different when you've worked your way up to millions and billions of dollars 
and when it was just given to you, when it was just handed to you. There's a very, very big difference in mindset and the value of these assets, the value of the things that you have. Right. So now with the United States and other union powers, or I mean other European powers, pretty much trying to cut them off from traditional banking, there is a high possibility. And the talk, the talk of the town is these Russian oligarchs may potentially move all of their assets and their money into cryptocurrencies to avoid the sanctions that America and Europe are placing on them. That's the talk of the town. It hasn't happened yet. It's not being confirmed, but that's the talk of the town. Now this, this, uh, now one person might say and might be like, oh, okay, what's wrong with that? You know, they're going to dump billions of dollars into the crypto market, which is going to give the crypto market a bump which is great, right? Which is good. More money into crypto is good for us who are the crypto investors who are holding long-term. It makes the value of crypto goes up. More people are buying it. More people are using it. It's great. However, now this creates a very big conflict of interest because a lot of these people who are crypto holders are also anti-bank establishments, Right? And people who are also anti-bank establishments and pro-crypto are typically also (laughs) anti-war. Like for me, I'm a crypto holder and I don't want this war. I don't want this going on. I don't, I don't, I want Russia to mind their business to stay where they are. See what I'm saying? To be honest, I, I really don't care if they invade Ukraine, not in like a bad way, like, you know, forget the Ukraines, I'm saying that it doesn't particularly affect me if they do it, if it happens, you see what I'm saying, it's not going to really, you know, change my livelihood in, in any particular way, you see what I'm saying, yeah, I might feel bad for, you know, the people, but it's not going to affect me, you know, when it comes to money or things of that nature, you see what I'm saying, it's not, to be honest, it's not really going to affect the world, but it's just morally wrong, it's like, why are you doing that, you see what I'm saying, and that's where my heart is, when it comes to the Ukrainian people and things of that nature, it's like, yo, stay where you are. These people have a right to be independent. They have a right to have their democratic, you know, country. They have a right to, you know, live how they want to live without Russian rule or Russian regime. You see what I'm saying? Right? So a lot of people who are anti-war are also pro-crypto, right? But now these people who are essentially the bad guys, right? They might think that they're the good guys in their own head. But essentially, they're the bad guys. With them moving their their money into cryptocurrencies, now it's a conflict of interest because it's like us as crypto cryptocurrency holders, should we still hold our currency? Because then that's kind of condoning a bad guy, or should we, you know, do the morally you know thing that makes sense and selling our cryptocurrencies so. It can hurt them if they put their money into cryptocurrency. It can still hurt them. Still dropping the market value. Still making them um, lose money. Right? Or things of that nature. It's, see, it's, it's, it's conflicts of interest. It's like, uh, on one side, it's like, I don't want this happening. And on the other side, it's like, I don't want to condone, uh, you know, bad people doing bad things. Right? Now, there's no, now they haven't done it yet. You know, there's no report that they have. There's no, we have not seen no significant spike in the crypto market or anything like that to signal that. But it's something that people are talking about. Now, Coinbase, right? And the reason why people are talking about Coinbase 
has now decided to cut off uh, uh, pretty much access to their servers to Russian citizens and Russian oligarchs. Coinbase. Yeah, the, the platform that people buy and sell cryptocurrencies. They have said, no, we don't want you guys buying it, using us to buy in cryptocurrencies. You guys are blackballed from the market. Wow. Now this is uh this brings up this makes the topic even more muddy because one not only does that you know potentially make the value of um Coinbase the stock or you know go down but if you're investing into that if you're thinking about that um but also this is kind of this also hurts crypto because the whole idea behind crypto was for us to have a non government decentralized entity where the people are in control right where there's no one entity that says oh you can't do this with your money you can't do that with your money that was the whole thing behind crypto was to be able to send money receive it nobody's tracking you you know your money's secured you could you know banks or governments can't freeze your assets you see what I'm saying? That was the whole idea behind crypto. So you, so you, you can kind of see where things get very gray. But now in the same regards, a lot of people who are holding crypto can say, can all vote and say, hey, I'll stake my coins. And it, as long as we're able to not allow them to purchase crypto anymore. You know, the people can say that. Technically, you know, a lot of crypto holders, a lot of people who who do use um, Coinbase as their medium of exchange or whatever the case may be or have uh, Coinbase wallets can very well say, you know, I, you know, just because because these dudes are doing bad things. We don't want them having access to cryptocurrency right now. The people can say that, but. But at the same time, though, this 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 just it just makes everything very gray. Just makes everything very very gray now. See what I'm saying? I hope I hope you guys can kind of understand and see why why I believe that this makes things very very gray because that's the people. But Coinbase is a people. Coinbase is an entity. Now, what if Robinhood, Bitmark, and all these other brokerages? Also say, oh, we're not allowing uh, Russian, you know, Russians from purchasing uh, digital goods, digital digital assets. This kind of this kind of throws the the whole decentralized crypto market thing in in a spiral, and and it's going to be very very interesting to see where the crypto market goes in the event that this happens. This may this this may you know slow down the mass adoptions of cryptocurrencies just due to the fact that 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 we are te- that we are trying to it, 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 it essentially in te- essentially we're trying to stop these war criminals these are war criminals in a sense right even though they might not be the ones pushing the button or or poking putin to you know to go to war with ukraine they do have a right they do they can't they do have a say there are the Russian oligarchs. They are the people that control pretty much the, the country, the economy of the country. 
if they do decide to give Putin a call, come to his office, and it's all of them there, they could tell Putin, like, yo, dude, stop what you're doing. See what I'm saying? Like, they, they can't do that. They have the money to do that. They probably have, if not the same equal amount of wealth as Putin, maybe more than him. So they do have a say into this. So it, it, so it, it's it's really interesting just to see, you know, where things may, you know, may end up and how things are going to play out. Whether they do decide to keep condoning Putin and let, letting him do this, do they if they stop him, if they move their move their uh their money to, to cryptocurrencies, how that can potentially play out and affect the market. That might shock the market, honestly. I don't know. I don't know. I actually, I don't know. You know, all we can do is kind of, it's kind of, you know, play it by ear and to watch how things develop. As of right now, as of right now, a Russian convoy is stuck outside of uh, Clef, right? Clef is another one of uh, Ukraine's city. I don't think that's the capital. I think the capital is, is, is um, Cleve or Con or Cleve, but they're outside of Clef right now. Don't quote me on any of this. I don't have my notes right in front of me, but um, a convoy pretty much is uh, it's like a it's like a it's like a group of soldiers, weapons, and things like that. It's like they send them in 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 uh, in, um, in rounds or in waves, I should say. So a convoy is pretty much stuck outside of Clef uh, because a bridge that the Ukrainians uh, burnt down, they can't get over it. Um, and a lot of things that are going on, a lot of logistical issues that are going on in Russian's government and in Russian's military that's making it hard for them to advance. Things like they can't get fuel for their car. They've been out there for days. You know, Russia is very big. It's, it, from their resources, it's very far from where they are. A lot, of, uh, a lot of soldiers are hungry. They haven't eaten in days. Um, and we're not and they're not doing this during, you know, during the summer. It's pretty cold over there as well, from my understanding. It's not, it's not crazy warm out there, guys, as well. So, let's also keep all this stuff in mind that, you know, Putin has just made a speech addressing his people today. Literally today, he made a speech. It's the fourth of March. You probably get, you're going to hear this on Saturday, uh, on the fifth of March. But on the fourth of March, he made a public statement to his people saying that everything's going okay and everything's under control and things are all going according to plans, but. We could kind of see that, that, that that might not be the case, buddy. See what I'm saying? It doesn't really seem like Russia... It, it, Russia's plans definitely aren't going according to plans. They should have been in and out already. They they wanted to make this a fast process. That's why they tried to do the United States shock and awe method. Shock and awe just simply means without you know without any warning. They just come and give you a give you a uh, hit you with a bunch of different things at once so it's very hard for you to react but it seems like the ukrainian army has been faring very very well they have not suffered a lot of casualties they actually dealt more casualties on the russian side um and they're holding they're holding their own they're not giving up they're not you know the only way to win in war is either your everybody surrenders you kill everybody you kill and capture everybody you take over or the government, you know, ceases, they give up. But the people aren't giving up. They're not capturing, they're not killing anybody. Even there's even some Russian soldiers that are actually turning sides and joining the Ukrainians, which is crazy. And some Russian soldiers are actually being captured from what we're being from what we're being told. 
right? And even some Russian websites are also reporting this and even they, they can't lie too much, right? They have to say some kind of truth and the facts are being shown that, you know, Russia, Russia is lo- losing this war or at least they're not winning as fast as they thought that they would. I should say that, right? The Ukraines, uh, <laughs> there was even a post where <laughs> a Ukrainian grandma, right? A grandma was, was going off at a Russian soldier, bad-mouthing him, and then right before she left, she offered him some sunflower seeds to put in his pocket. And then when she, after she gave him the sunflower seeds, um, she pretty much just said that she's going to enjoy seeing the sunflowers bloom from where his corpse will, will lay. <laughs> and I'm like, that's some OG shit. <laughs> Like yo, gr- yo, grandma, <laughs> grandma <is> savage. <laughs> that yo, like, if yo, I'm sorry, but if I'm a soldier and a grandma comes up to me and says that she can't wait, she can't wait until she sees the sunflowers bloom from my corpse. I'm I'm laying down my weapon. I'm turning back around. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, nah, if that's how grandma is, I don't want to see her grandkids. I don't want to meet them. Because <laughs> that's some tough stuff, bro. That's some tough stuff. But, yeah, it just shows you the Ukrainian people, man. There's, there's some strong people. There's some strong people. Um, I think they I think they definitely, you know, if any Ukrainians are listening to this, I think you guys definitely need to talk to our government or at least the people operating the trains. And, you know, and stop leaving black people behind, right? I definitely want to address that. I want to talk about that. Um, because from my understanding, what I originally saw on social media was that the Ukrainians were pretty much leaving the black people completely behind and then just and just taking their people, which is honestly kind of messed up. But in reality, that's not the case. It's just the black people are hopping on last. Um, the Nigerian students, specifically when we talk about black people, they're getting on the trains last to leave Ukraine, um, which is, you know, it, it's not the best thing um, in the world that I, I would honestly like to see now. But it, it but I'm, and I'm not there to kind of assess the situation verbatim. And, you know, CNN is very, very vague um, on what they're being reported. So what I would like to know is. Are they leaving the black men behind and then they're taking the, the black woman and kids? Because then that's fine. I, that's understandable. You know what I'm saying? Like, leave. I'm going to assume because all the white uh, Ukrainians left to fight the war. So, I mean, that's understandable. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, leave the black students behind because Russians also said that they're not targeting none of the black people in Ukraine because, you know, that's, they're just there for for school, which is which I like that. I like how they're not targeting black people. They're leaving the black students completely out of this war. I like that. I like the Russian government has made that statement public. I like that a lot. I definitely, definitely like it. So if that's the case, you know, they're just leaving, you know, the black students because they know that they're not in no immediate danger and they're, they're going to come back for them. That's great. I've seen a, a few black students did make it uh, to Poland and other places in Europe, which is definitely great. Um, so if that's the case, we're all good. However, if if that's not the case and it's the latter, it's the fact that they're leaving uh, all black people behind, or they're leaving, or they're making them board the train last. That's eh. I don't like that. 
to be honest with you. Don't don't really like that. Don't really, you know, don't really sit well with me. But at the end of the day, we are in the middle of a war. So we can't, you know, have our cake and eat it too. You know, just if it just it just if as long as there's no black people being harmed, that's better than nothing. See what I'm saying? Compared to, you know, at the end of the day, discrimination is one thing. We definitely want them on the train, right? But you know, I, at the end of the day, I don't want to just, you know, I don't want to make make a situation even more worse than it needs to be by also involving race and, oh, the Ukrainians are doing this to black people. It's not right. Point blank, period. At the end of the day, this whole situation shouldn't be going on. See what I'm saying? And through history, we have also seen that there's been a lot of times noble causes have have had their, uh, have had their, uh, their ugly sides to it. And one thing what I mean by this is, let's, let's, I was actually just talking to my mom about this. We can backtrack to like the French Revolution. I'm Haitian, you know, we got our independence from France. French Revolution, they were revolting, this whole monarchy thing, the whole king, you know, being powerful than the peasants and stuff like that. They were, the revolution was to kind of, uh, you know, beat that hierarchy rule and make things better for the people and stuff like that. Napoleon Bonaparte was one of the people that was actually, you know, charging the whole French Revolution across the European, you know, continent by literally telling Great Britain, Germany, all these other places that had the kings and emperors, you know, forget that. Forget the kings, forget this monarchy rule, let the people have their rights and stuff like that. Literally, that was the rev- that was the French Revolution. That's you know it's crazy. And Napoleon, at one part, controlled more countries and more of Europe than even Nazi Germany. And this was all through revolution of the people, right? To give people more rights. It's still crazy how at one point he still went to Haiti to try and re-enslave them, right? Shows you. Like I said, a lot of times there's a conflict of interest. A lot of times things aren't always black and white. Very great. So, you know, it's kind of peeled back, you know, I have to give you guys that history lesson, <laughs> right? Now we talk about modern day's time. We see this stuff going on in the Ukraine, right? The sooner all this stuff kind of settles down and go back to normal, the better for everybody. The better for Russians, the better for Ukrainians, better for people in the West, better for people in America, better for crypto holders, better for everybody if all of this just dies down and goes away sooner or later. So we got to keep our eye on it. Definitely, definitely got to keep our eye on it. Um, I'm, of course, I'm still optimistic and hopeful for crypto across the board. I did notice on the previous episode, I didn't give you guys kind of like my method of how I value cryptocurrencies or stocks. Um, and I, I would like to share that with you guys. I would like to share with you guys kind of what do I look at when I'm looking at cryptocurrencies and when I'm looking at stocks. Some cryptos for you guys to look at. Um, and some cryptos that in the event that this stuff, you know, this Ukraine situation does persist, these cryptos shouldn't be affected too much um, from what's going on in Ukraine. And should give us, you know, some really, really good uh, 3x, 5x, even 10x projectives within the next few years, right? So first things first, right? Um, if you are going to be looking into cryptocurrencies or stocks, I use the same method for cryptocurrencies and stocks when it comes to investing in them. This is kind of like the value, the the evaluation process that I go that I go under. 
Um, and I think you guys are going to like it a lot, right? I think you guys are going to like it a lot. Make sure, understand everything I give you guys, right? Yes, definitely take it as good information, but also do your research, right? Because um, your system might be different than my system. You might be um, more of an aggressive trader uh, or aggressive investor, I should say. You might be looking to flip your money in a month. I'm looking to get rich as, as, as heck, right, within two, three years to the point where I don't have to work ever again. So I see more of long-term things and I'm more of a, a buying and holding uh, kind of mindset kind of individual. So first thing when it comes to, you know, the, the valuation process is we want to talk about management. We want to talk about who is who is leading the project, who is running the business, the company, right? Who Who created the token, the coin, right? Who is the CEO? What's the management? And how did the business do before or after that person became CEO? When we're talking about a stock or talking about a cryptocurrency, you know, who created it? Who are the people leading the charts? Who's the CEO? Who's the CFO, right? Who are the people pretty much in charge of the project of the company, right? When, it, when we talk about stocks, since them becoming the CEO, how has the company done as regards to earnings? See what I'm saying? How did they do it? The, the quarter before the, the you want to go back the past two quarters and then go back a few years to kind of see how did they get their start, right? How are they currently doing? And then try and make a projective estimate of where they could potentially potentially go in the future. See what I'm saying? A lot of times people say history do repeat repeat itself. So if you kind of see what they did in the past, you'll be able to make a good educated decision on what they might potentially do in the future. That's number one. Who is the management CEO? Who's in charge? What is the culture like in that company? Um, and what's the what's the communication? What's the kind of things that's going on uh, in that current project? Right. You guys can go on YouTube. You guys can go on Yahoo Finance. You guys can go on um, on these companies earners earnings reports and you guys can see these the numbers. You guys can really see how they're doing and even watch some videos on how things are, you know, handled at that company's uh, HQ or whatever the case may be. Number two, very, very important is, do they have a competitive edge, right? So pretty much what are competitive edges? Do they have something that kind of sets them apart or gives them an edge in the marketplace, right? We're going to use Apple, for example. Apple is going to, we're going to use Apple a lot during this episode, but Let's think about Apple for a sense, right? Apple, they're really, really good when it comes to consumers, right? And marketing strategies. They have the Apple ecosystem. Once you get a, a Mac and you get an iPhone, <laughs> you're, you're, one step, you're one step short of getting AirPods to go with it. You see what I'm saying? And then one step short of getting an Apple home device. See what I'm saying? Or getting uh, Beats beats uh, uh apple airpods or apple headsets see what i'm saying like what happens is that their competitive edge is their marketing strategy they market it so well and they have their ecosystem that all integrates with each other that once you get one item it's a very high possibility that you're going to get another item by that same company does that make sense right there's there's not a lot of companies that do this guys there's not a lot of companies, and I'm trying to think from the top of my head, like what other companies kind of sells you on one item, one product, and then they're able to 
lean it into another product, right? I'm trying to think of something else like I can't I can't really think of anything, man. I can't can't really think of anything. Like it it's it's and it's so easy. They catch you so easy. As soon as you walk into the Apple store, the aesthetic design, that's another thing that they have a competitive edge. Aesthetically, they're pleasing. They know how the human mind works. They know what we like, what what you know, what our eyes appeal to. So as soon as you walk into an Apple store, aesthetically it's a pleasing, it makes you want to spend money. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So and once you spend once you get that iPhone, you're probably gonna get an Apple Watch. Once you get the Apple Watch, you're probably gonna get uh, AirPods. <laughs> Once you get AirPods, you're probably gonna get a Mac. See, see how that goes. All right, competitive edge. Number three. What when it comes to retail? What does this self domination look like? Self domination. Think about this. And family, I want you. I want you guys to also know this. This evaluation process. This is not my own. This is things that I've learned from other great investors. Um, these are these are uh, tips I've learned from Yahoo Finance, other videos, things, uh, ways of other people have evaluated stocks, and I've kind of just created my own kind of system by compiling all different things together, and it's worked very well for me. Um, even uh, somebody he was on Earn Your Leisure's podcast. If you guys listen to Earn Your Leisure, they're amazing. They do stocks as well, um, and he even gave a few of these tidbits. On how to evaluate uh, stocks, and you know, I just apply it to cryptocurrencies and stocks. But and I added my own few things, tweaked a few things. But I hope you guys can really take this process and really utilize it because it's been helping me. And I think I think I cover everything across the board in this uh, six-step process. So number three is like kind of like what does this self-domination look like when it comes to retail? So pretty much what I mean by this is let's think about. Uh, Campbell soup, right? Campbell soup, it's very recognizable. It's something that will be here for a very, very long time, right? Something else. Um, what's another? What's another? I, I want to use like clothes, right? I want to use clothes, right? Let's think about like fruit of the loom. These are, when we're talking about like retail companies, you want to invest into an asset that, that, no matter what's going on in the market, it's always going to be on the shelves. Does that make sense? That's what self-domination look like, right? So another thing by this, right? Something that wouldn't have a really good self-domination would be... Would be... Uh, let's think about... Um, hmm. <laughs> oh, Boom. Gloves and masks, right? Gloves and masks. During COVID, we've seen, you know, companies that produce gloves and masks, they skyrocket in value because now there's a, there's a, there's a demand for, for gloves, mask, and hand sanitizer. See what I'm saying? But prior towards that, if you invest in a gloves or, 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 uh, or, or hand sanitizer company, it could have took forever before you see the stock goes up or you made a rate of return because not a lot of people need gloves and hand sanitizer like that. Does that make sense? But if we're talking about mops, people are always going to need mops, right? Like to mop their floor. Uh, or, or if we're talking about, um, or if we're, oh, cat litter, right? You know, like 
we could go in a recession, people are still going to purchase cat litter. They're still going to need it for their cats. You see what I'm saying? Things like that. Me, I'm very more so big on technology and things like that. So self-domination is more so important when it comes to retail, retail goods and retail things. Um, feel me? So, you know, if you're looking into like, you know, companies like that, that's how you can use that as a valuation for, yo, is this a good company for me to invest in? Do I see this company being on the shelves three, four, five years from now? And if, and in the event, if we were to find more gold or if we were to, you know, uh, meet aliens or something like that, or something crazy was to happen in the market, is the self-domination still going to be there? Like for example, Clorox bleach, people are always going to need to clean stuff. You see what I'm saying? So that will be a great company to invest in when it has a very long uh, shelf domination. Number four is earnings. What do the earnings look like? Um, have they beat their earnings projective the past few quarters? The past eight quarters is always best. So the past two years would be the best ones to, to, to look at. Um, number five is do they have free flowing cash and working capital? What are the assets and liability liabilities look like? So pretty much free flowing cash is is all their money in the stocks? Is all their money in projects? Or do they have a million, a billion, a hundred million, a billion dollars, right? Left off on the side in cash that they're able to use uh, to, in, the, in the event, you know, they might be short on earnings or they might need to pay more to their employees or something like that. You just want to see if they have some, a lump sum of money set to the side in the case of emergencies that they're able to p- pump it into their, um, into their company. To, to meet their targets, right? Or to, to invest more into research and, research and uh, development, right? And assets and liabilities, right? You want to make sure that they don't have too many crazy liabilities and they have more assets than liabilities, right? And then last step is what's the brand life, right? What does the brand, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the livelihood of the brand, right? Do you see this a brand that can last Two years, five years, 10 years? Is this a 30-year company? For example, Amazon, easily a 30-year company because they're not selling nothing. They're just the middleman. So their brand, Amazon, can last forever. See what I'm saying? And now they're integrating into other things. Apple is another 20-year company, right? They have a very long livelihood of brands. Now, the only reason why they, the only reason why they, they, that they're really good is that there's no other competition that's able to compete with them as of right now. But the moment another, you know, technology company that's 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 coming onto par with Amazon, not Amazon, Apple, excuse me, their brand life length might go down cuz now there's more competition. Does that make sense? Amazon has a really long life brand because they're the middleman, no nobody else is really doing it like them. Another one is like AliExpress or Alibaba. See what I'm saying? Really good uh uh, a brand life, right? Or a length of life. When I, I need to find a better way. Average brand life longevity. I think that might be a good word. Brand life longevity, right? Pretty much how long can you see them in the game, in the game for, right? Now, when you're thinking about long-term investments, you want to think about whether the business is going to be here five, 10 years from now. Now, remember, guys, this is also talking about cryptocurrencies, right? Is this cryptocurrency going to be something that we're going to see that we're going to use three, four, five years from now, right? Do they have free-flowing cash flow? Do that 
do that project, do those group of people managing that project, that NFT, do they have more money on the side that they're able to pump, right? And then when you're making your purchases, right, you want to think about, are they seeing profit? Do they have a competitive edge? How likely are people to switch from that brand to another brand or from that coin into another coin? Like a lot of people were, were having a debate between Solana and Ethereum. I'm personally using my Solana to hedge my Ethereum. See what I'm saying? But at the same time, Ethereum is my go-to. I'm pouring more money into Ethereum than Solana. I only have a little bit of Solana. Ethereum, because Solana, Solana, Solana doesn't seem like it has any really real uses. It's just to compete with Ethereum, I guess, at this point. See what I'm saying? And 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 then you want to operate by certain rules, rules, right? Like, like what's the reason for you to get in? Right, this is basic investment advice. What are what is your reasoning for getting in? That's R, that's the R in rules. You do you understand the business? Do you understand how they make money, how they grow? Right? The L is for leverage, right? Do they have some kind of leverage, an edge? Do they have something about them, about that particular token or company or cryptocurrency or stock that sets them apart? Right? E and the, the next letter is E, expanding. Do you do they seem like they have room to grow? Like there's more things that stock, that company can do. Is that roadmap of that coin finished or can they extend it? Can there can there be more applications of the coin that they can that they can do? All right. Five is story. Every great company has an even greater story. Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, Google. Tesla, Amazon, great story. That stock, is there a story behind that company, right? That coin, is there, is there a story behind the coin? Is there a story behind the project? Is there a story behind the creator? Is there a story? People like stories. Facts tell, stories sell. Always remember that. Facts tell, stories sell. So I hope you guys can take this valuation process, right, and and take it and use it as a as a median of exchange or use it as a blueprint of when you evaluate coins right and the reason why I'm giving you guys this now is because with all the things that's that's going on in the world and especially with this Ukraine and Russia situation we're going to have to look at coins with an even deeper understanding an even bigger lens because now we want to make sure that where we're putting our money into is places and things that are going to be able to grow on exponentially crazy value within the years to come because i do believe that we're going to be out of this war real soon i don't think that i honestly i don't think that this is going to affect the crypto market too 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 much um i don't think these oligarchs are even going to do anything if if they are going to do something they're probably going to tell putin to relax um, even if they don't, I think Putin eventually is going to just give up. Um, if or if not, then the Russian people are going to be pissed off, and they're going to make him give up. They're going to either get him out of office, or the Ukrainian people are going to beat the Russians. I do not think that this is going to bring us into no nuclear war, nothing like that. I do believe it's going to end sooner than later. Hopefully, by the end of this month, we're out of the water. Things are back to normal, right? And Russia is dealing with their sanctions. And, you know, their bad economy for years to come, you know, on their own. 
Um, and we're back to normal, right? And things are, you know, doing great again, feel me? So uh, thank you so much for tuning into episode three. I hope I was able to give you guys a quick understanding and breakdown of exactly what's going on in Ukraine, Russia, why we're even, why the, why this is even happening, how this could uh, potentially affect the crypto market, what this means for us, and uh, give you guys a blueprint, a template of how you guys can evaluate cryptocurrencies. Um, and make sure you guys are making great and informed and educated decisions. Um, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. I think you guys are going to love this system. If there's any things that, you know, maybe I might have overlooked or I should consider, feel free to DM me, reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to add it to our next episode, give the people more and more information, more uh, more knowledge, right? And if you guys can please leave me a review on Spotify, it'll be greatly appreciated. Or on Anchor, it'll be greatly, greatly appreciated. Um, also, we have a Patreon as well. So if you guys don't mind, you know, donating $5 to our Patreon, it does a lot for me. It, it allows me to actually travel and meet more people. Very soon, we're going to be having even, uh, we're going to have guest speakers on the podcast. I actually recently just moved to Orlando, Florida. So yes, I am no longer in Jersey. I'm in Orlando. Um, so yeah, so if you guys can help me out, then you know we can explode the podcast. I could go down to other, go down, but I could go down. I could go other places, excuse me, other places, meet other amazing people and get some great speakers on here so they could give you the value and information to, and help you become even more empowered tomorrow and today than you were yesterday. Right, so thank you so much for tuning into episode three. Hope you guys loved the episode. Like I said, leave me that review. Feel free to DM me on Instagram if you guys have any questions. Right, shout out the page. Right, please, 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 all support. Everything is appreciated. Uh, love and appreciate you guys. Right, much love coming from me and the team all day to you guys. Hope all my people in Ukraine are being safe and protected right now in our troubling times. If you know anybody in Ukraine. I'm sending all my best wishes and prayers to them. I hope you guys have an amazing, amazing uh, weekend, right? Yo, we're in March. It is March Madness. We're almost on the on the on the first quarter of the year. It is insane. 2022 is flying. I hope you guys are really, really using your time each and every single day to the utmost uh, potential. All right. So you guys stay beautiful, stay amazing, stay powerful. That is the end for the episode. Love you guys all. And you guys have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful March. Let's go get it. Let's make this money. Let's get it.